Hello again, everybody. It is time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 228. I am Michael Citro. I am the founder and managing editor of TheMainland.com. We are an SB Nation website, and we cover Orlando City SC, the Orlando Pride, OCB when they exist, and uh, all things soccer-related in the city beautiful, which is uh, going to take up a chunk of our day today. But joining me, as always, up in Tallahassee, Florida, car salesman extraordinaire, busy time of year for you, David Rowe. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm well. It is a busy time for me. Uh, a, a happy Festivus to you, by the way. Yeah, I've, I've got far too many grievances to air right now, so uh, we'll we'll save that for offline. Uh, yes, I got a pro- good idea. I got a lot of problems with a lot of people, and they're going to hear about it. <laughs> that's that's right. It you know the fact that this podcast might be short is a festivist miracle. Yeah, well, maybe not because we'll we'll talk about some stuff, and and then I might go on a rant about uh, people that can't seem to just take news and just go okay oh that's interesting and just move on they have to argue with news <laughs> but we'll get to that uh yeah so hopefully everybody's doing well in, in the holiday season we don't normally have podcasts every week this time of year i'm going to call oh. it i'm going to call it right now dave you and me we're taking next week off and okay. we will reconvene in january at a time to be announced um when i feel like we've got enough um material to warrant a full show, we'll we'll return with our January show, and we might go back to weekly. Um, when that happens, it might be the first week of January. It might be the second, but then we'll probably go back to weekly because things are going to start ramping up. There's going to be news and uh, WSL. Uh, I spoke with someone at the club the other night, and WSL looks to be maybe starting training camp in February, as as uh, previously uh, reported. Um, at this point, we have no reason to believe that the MLS season will be delayed, although there's been discussion about it. So we might uh, might have MLS back in uh, March, which means camp starting in you know February. We're going to have um, a U.S. Men's National Team camp in January. So there's plenty of news coming, even though January is usually a time for Florida Cup. And there's no Florida Cup uh, in January. That's been postponed as we... I believe we mentioned last week, but uh, yeah, so there's uh, there's going to be a mainland podcast a little more regularly this off season than what you've seen in the past, and I think that's uh, that's good good news for our listeners. Uh, well, one would hope so, and uh, I, what I'm hearing you say is that this is going to be the shortest mainland podcast off season of all time. Yes, the shortest mainland podcast off season of all time, and uh, that doesn't mean that the episodes will be any shorter. But we'll see what <laughs> no. we can do. See what we can do. All right, so let's start, Dave. As we record this on a Wednesday, the twenty-third, uh, the day before it drops on the site, uh, we will talk about a transfer rumor that popped up here in the last twenty-four hours uh, about a uh, winger from Benfica over in Portugal, who has uh, also played for the Argentina national team. Franco Servi, I'm, I'm guessing it's pronounced Servi, I, I honestly don't know. He's been capped four times by Argentina, all in 2018, so not a regular on the Argentinian national team, but uh, a wing player, which is something Orlando City could use. But when you look, Dave, at the at the starting lineup, you've got Nani and you've got Chris Mueller manning those uh, those wing positions. This is not a need that you would need to go out and find a starter. These are two really top 
caliber starting wingers in MLS, uh, Nani and Mueller, and, and Alex Alvarado coming up behind them to provide some relief. Also, uh, Tesho can play the wing, Benji can play the wing. It's not a huge need, uh, but it wouldn't be bad to have some wing depth. And uh, so this this is an interesting rumor. Let's let's just start out by saying that. Yeah, it kind of came out of nowhere today, um, as many things did, as, as you'll hear as we continue to talk. But um, yeah, this was one that, that kind of popped up and, and you shared. And I was a little bit surprised um, after looking into it a little bit more. Like you said, I don't know that the depth that this is the the right player for a depth position, because uh, as, as you noted in the article that you put out today, um, you bring him in, you pay him lots of money. Do you sit Nani? Do you sit Mueller? Because that's what you would have to do. Yeah, it's uh, this thing was reported by a Portugal-based uh, uh, journalist named Bruno Andre, and uh, he had written this in the Ebola, which is not to be confused with Ebola, which is a whole other no. thing. Right. You don't want to catch the, you don't want to catch the latter one. No, catch the no. first one. Um, this the 26 year old winger's likely landing spot, as he reported, is Orlando City with FC Dallas in the mix. I checked in with our sources to see if there was anything to this because it seemed a little head scratchy. First of all, we're led to believe there's not going to be a lot of money this summer to, or this uh, off season to spend. Um, you know, after the the team went out and purchased all of the players that were on loan um, and exercised some options. You know, we're just told there's, there's not going to be a lot of money to, to throw at stuff. And people say, well, Dom Dwyer left. He's a DP. That doesn't necessarily mean that slot's going to go to a high dollar player. That slot could easily be used on somebody who was, uh, you know, it was TAM level and uh, maybe got a bump in their pay for their second year. Somebody like a Pedro Galese, somebody like a, mm-hmm. a Junior Urso, a, an Antonio Carlos. Um, that's where that DP slot may get occupied this year. But, uh, you know, it's certainly possible that the, the team will go out and find somebody uh, as a DP. But would you want a DP winger when you already have a DP left winger right now and Chris Mueller on the right who is playing at almost a DP level? That's, uh, you know, as you mentioned, that, that those are solid starters at the wings. You can only play two, and you don't pay somebody big money or give them a DP contract to come in and sit on the bench. Now, transfer market says that his value is 7 million euros. It's a little over 8 million bucks. Uh, that's a little too rich for the blood here. Um, you're talking Lucas Zellerion money. Uh, mm-hmm. It's that's it's not, not likely. So any way you look at this objectively, it doesn't seem to make sense. But uh, our sources, we checked in anyway. And they said, yeah, no, Orlando's not in that. They think LA Galaxy might be involved, so maybe the two teams um, are the Galaxy and FC Dallas. But the bottom line is what what, uh, what Mr. Andre uh, probably did was talk to an agent who said we're talking to teams over in uh, in Major League Soccer. And uh, the likelihood is that this, this player is looking to get into Major League Soccer. It's a player who was has been productive, but has been surpassed by, you know, additions, uh, you know, that they've brought in some transfers and has kind of felt fallen down the pecking order just a little bit at Benfica. So looking for a new place to go. And one thing that agents love to do is to reach out to journalists and, and put stuff out there. And then that generates interest and buzz and helps their client get more money um, and potentially gets the, uh, you know, gets maybe multiple teams, 
interested and then they're competing against each other for those services so um we're told there's there's nothing to this and you know if, if you want to fight me because we've been told this and we've reported it um i don't understand that but people on twitter seem to be taking that tactic there are people that are just like well, well why wouldn't you sign them all i just outlined the fact that you've got two starting wingers yeah you can always have more but this is a salary cap league and the primary things that the team is going to be looking for we've talked about this you're over and over <laughs> you're looking for a left back because Jao Moutinho is going to be out for a bit mm-hmm. um so you want somebody that's kind of starting caliber but uh, is also of you know knows going in that when Zhao is back and in form he's going to probably be your starter uh, so you're mm-hmm. looking for left back. You're looking for some center back depth because you've lost Alex Dijon. Um, you are looking for somebody to back up in the middle of the attack, which means uh, when Mauricio Pereira is injured or suspended or needs a rest, you need somebody in that role that can fulfill those those duties. Now, people say, well, not, can't Nani do that? Can't Mueller do that? Can't Alvarado do that? If they could, they would have done it this year. And or if at not. least if As- if Oscar Pereja thought that that they were good at that, then he would have had them doing that. He did not have them doing that, and maybe they can do it, and he just doesn't know it. Maybe maybe Oscar Pereja is not a very smart man or a good coach. That's possible, but I think we've <laughs> seen we've seen evidence to the contrary of that. Let's, so let's I, put... I I feel pretty good that if he's come up with this and and probably has tried it in training i'm guessing because that's what coaches do they try things um you know i'm guessing that uh he didn't like what he saw so yeah it's it's not a matter of that and then of course you get the people in there that go oh your sources sources say because they people for whatever reason i'm not going to say what the reason is because it could be anything but something over the last four years roughly right about four years has altered the way people feel about journalists and journalism in general i can't quite put my finger on what that thing is what that thing is that's creating distrust of the media but something did it so let's just say let's just say um it's aliens aliens created distrust in the media so now everybody is is skeptical of unnamed sources even though any journalism 101 class will tell you there's a lot of really good reasons why some sources don't wish to be named. And um, so we're not naming our sources because then we will have no more sources. And if you want to, you can go through our stories for the last three or four years and point out to me all the times we've been wrong about a transfer rumor, uh, whether we've said somebody's coming or not coming, and then the opposite has happened. I'm happy to respond to your criticism of our track record. Yeah. I love it when Michael goes off on a rant like that. Um, so you're absolutely right. Um, let me go all the way back to say that uh, you know you didn't have other people in there. The the biggest clue that you know moving Nani in there, Mueller in there, is the fact that Andres Pereira was filling that role for Mauricio Pereira, um, and that that should be that should be an indication of what Oscar Pereja was thinking. And look at that. I did all three names all in a row, and I did them right. I'm so very proud of myself. Anywho. <laughs> Congratulations on that. I know. Right? <laughs> um, so <laughs> regardless, um, the it, it comes down to the amount of money, you know, for what you're getting versus, you know, the needs that you have to fill. As you mentioned, salary, salary cap league and 
Um, we've seen and we've mentioned it over and over and over again. Luis Muzi, Oscar Pereja, these guys have a plan. They are excellent at spotting guys we've never heard of that come in here and then suddenly become fan favorites and become great. So I don't know why anybody expects anything different this offseason on any signings that we get before the next season to be any different than that. Um, I know everybody wants the big splashy player, but that's not what these guys do. And that's okay. Cause guess what? We just had Orlando city just had the best season they've ever had. And that was in year one of Preyot taking over. Just trust the process. And I know that's the most overused statement in sports, but you know, look at the results. And that's, you know, proof is in the pudding. Every other stupid saying you want, that's what it is. Yeah, it's the thing that I keep coming back to is the track record of Luis Muzi and and what he's done uh, with with Ricardo Moreira as his uh, head of scouting and uh, Oscar Pereja, also his input. And even before Oscar got here, I mean, you go back to the beginning and Robinho is the only player that didn't work out. The yep. only one. I mean, you can say Santiago Patino. Maybe you can say him, but I mean, that's a draft pick, and draft picks are something else. I mean, draft picks. You, you know, the the rule is that they don't work out, and the exception is that you get Chris Mueller or Daryl DK. Um, so you know, you're going to get a Santiago Patino here and there that you think you know has the you know obvious skills and tools that you see, but then it, for whatever reason, it just doesn't come together on the pitch. Um, and, and maybe it's the system, and maybe it's a particular coach that, you know, doesn't fit the style, or, or maybe it's the, the the club atmosphere or, or the fit. You know, there's a lot of reasons why draft picks don't necessarily always work out, but Muzi has a great track record here. There's absolutely no reason to to doubt him and to question him. I mean, it's it's okay. It's always okay to question him, but, I mean, again just go back to the track record and I'm happy to discuss all the times he's been wrong. Yeah. So we'll discuss that. We'll discuss all the times <laughs> that we've been wrong and, and we're wrong a lot, but not about the things when, when we bring something out and we have, you know, our sources say, and we report on something like that. I'm not talking about when Michael and I are taking guesses at what the score of a match is going to be. I'm talking about the, the hard factual reporting that's done on the, on the website. Um, you know, that, that's been very, very consistent. And, um, you know, uh, come at Michael, I got his back. <laughs> so I just finished the thought of what the team needs. They, they obviously need a left back, need center back depth. They need somebody to back up Pereira and, uh, they wouldn't mind adding a winger and adding a, a striker. But again, those, those are not going to be DP type signings. Uh, you know, and, I will caveat that by saying if they get the right deal at the right time for the right money, things can change. Things are static. Thing, you know, they're they're not static. They there's always moving parts. So uh, it's it's again, it's one of those things that people like lean on when they when they question your sources. It's like, well, you know, well things do change, but again. It's not like we've been wrong a ton of times when we've said yes, this rumor is happening, or no, this rumor is not happening. We have, we have been right, and the reason we're right is because we don't say anything unless we have some confirmation from our sources, and our sources are people who would know. It's not like 
this guy is an Uber driver who once took Louise Muzi on, uh, you know, on a trip to Publix, and Muzi was on the phone the whole time, and so this is what I came up with. So I'm going to tell you this information. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, nothing against Uber drivers and taking people to Publix, but yeah, no, that's not what we're talking about. I mean, if you're going to get an Uber, you may as well go get a pub sub. Absolutely. All right, so, I mean, just to finish the thought on Franco Servi, maybe it's Chervi, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. I'm not that familiar with the player. I don't really watch a lot of Benfica games, and I I will cop to not watching a lot of the Argentinian national team in 2018 right here and now. So, <laughs> so now you can question my credentials as a soccer fan. Um, but, yeah, this... Uh, this move isn't isn't going to happen for Orlando City. It doesn't look like um, it, it, it. Just on the surface, it doesn't fit the profile of an Orlando City signing. The only real splash this team has made in the last several years is Nani, who came over on a free transfer, and and Galese was uh, was probably you could count that as a, a little bit of a splash, but it's not a common thing. And and the those are the exceptions. And the rule is, you know wait a minute, who's Andres Perea? Let me go look him up. <laughs> um, you know, Mauricio Pereira, who, who's that guy? Oh, okay, plays in Russia. Let me go find out what he's been doing. And then they come in here and they're they're good players. Nobody knew who, who Juan was. Nobody knew who Antonio Carlos was. These guys have come in and done a great job, and that's the kind of player that I expect to come in again this year. Uh, I mean, even a guy like Rodrigo Schlegel, um, this is the, the, the profile of the Muzi Morera Pereja triumvirate. Uh, that was that was very difficult for me to say that, um, but yeah, that's I mean that's what that's what it is, and and there's nothing wrong with that. It's worked out quite well. I mean, it's this is not going to become some Toronto. of the listeners' favorite players are the people that we're talking about. Yeah, this team's not going to turn into Toronto FC because it had a little bit of success this year. No, that's just not. If you expect that, then you're you're insane now none of that has anything uh, we haven't even touched on the fact that there's been reports and i know some people have refuted those reports that the team may be sold and if the team is going to be sold or is even in discussion of being sold doesn't even have to be a sale but if there is there's a report out there that says there are some buyers it's going to happen uh, and the first thing you do when you got a, a team for sale is you cut costs. And I don't know if the team's going to get sold. That that's that report may end up turning out to be nothing. Maybe it was something and then the sale fell through, or maybe it will turn out to be nothing. But I do know those things take time. They take due diligence. They could be in the due diligence process right now. I know that uh, Don Garber was asked um, during his state of the league address, you know, is there anything going on with a, a sale of Orlando City? And he said nothing in the near future. What is the near future? Is it a month? Is it two months? Um, sometimes the paperwork alone. I mean, Dave knows this because he sells cars. Paperwork, mm-hmm. paperwork for cars and houses take a long time. What do you think um, paperwork would require time-wise for? Uh, a couple of soccer teams like MLS, NWSL, and a stadium and training facilities. What do you think that would cost, uh, take? You know, in terms of time to set up and and do the research for that and and get it all written out. 
Well, just multiply it out by the the cost of the item. So, you know, like a car deal, say a you know thirty thousand dollar car deal. Um, I'm pretty good. I can get you in and out in like an hour and a half. Uh, you know, you're buying a house. How much work has to go into that? And you're talking maybe you know three hundred thousand dollars or something like that for a house. Okay, now you're going into the millions and millions and so just the uh the amount of time the amount of lawyers and um accountants that are going to go over every little bit of that um you know and the amount of eyes that have to see it on both sides and then go back and forth and iron out the details it's a long time i would venture to guess we may all be vaccinated against covid by the time anything happens (laughs) now and it's not like you can even have a template for that. Like it's not like okay, make Mazda, <laughs> you know. Right. And, and you type. You just have to type in the make and the model and the year and the mileage. This is not like that. This is like everything from scratch. So it's it's not something that uh, you know you walk into the okay my my man here in finance will take care of you and you walk into the other room and he just starts spitting out you know documents on the printer for you to sign. It's a little it's a little complex. But again, the, the team either gets sold or it doesn't. I'm just saying, this is all a very long way of saying if the team is for sale, they're not going to spend much money. And already, you know, you guys all wanted all these loan guys. Oh, I hope they can make the loan permanent. I like this guy. Well, they went out and did that. That cost money. It's a salary cap league. There's not a lot left over. The only way they're going to save money is to use the DP tag. And some of those TAM guys could certainly uh, save the team some money if they use the DP tag on them. So that's where we're at. This transfer is probably not happening. Um, People that told us this, they ought to know. So we're going to trust them and report that. And that's how unnamed sources work. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk on journalism. (laughs) I love the fact that every time somebody said TED Talk now, I think Ted Lasso. Well, you know, Ted had some good talks. He did. He had some excellent talks. I mean, he talked to Jamie Tart and got him to make that extra pass, and uh, cost him a, cost him a spot in the uh, in the premiership. Yeah, it did. All right, we're off track. Also, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're we're the ones like telling people right. you got to watch it. You got to watch it. Now we're spoiling it. Well, well and if you know they what? haven't watched it by now, then that's on them because we've been telling them for months. That's true. That's true. We even told them how to do it. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys, uh, let us move on to some other topics. Uh, I, I think we can do that. We're going to talk a little bit about the pride and, um, you know, we're, we're going to tell you what's, you know, what you can expect on the site if you uh, haven't been paying attention. And uh, we'll get a little bit of uh, CONCACAF Champions League talk in because I've been covering that for the last uh, several days and... I'm exhausted because these games have been really late. <laughs> but uh, we'll get to all of that right after this. All right, Dave. It is time to talk a little bit about the Orlando Pride. I like it. Let's do it. All right. By the time this drops, this might become official. Uh, but we got a report today uh, in Washington saying that Emily Sonnet was going to be traded to the Washington Spirit. This was a very big surprise because Emily Sonnet was, has been a long sought after uh, piece for the Pride, and they got her for a first round draft pick 
this past January, so it hasn't been around very long. And, oh, by the way, hasn't played a game for the Pride yet because uh, pandemic 2020, uh, the team pulling out of Challenge Cup. So there's been a lot of things uh, that have worked against the Pride where it comes to this particular player. And now it appears that she may never appear in a Pride uniform if this uh, report is true. And it seems to be a pretty solid report, so we'll we'll go with it for now. And if they got all the details right, it's at least a pretty good return for the Pride because uh, the Pride did not have a first-round pick in uh, next month's draft. But now they will if this... Uh, the details are correct on this uh the spirit will be giving up their first round draft pick and also a first round draft pick in 2023 that's nothing to sneeze at alone but also allocation money Mm -hmm. so that's a pretty good return and also oh by the way potentially a starting number six in maggie dowardy howard who I don't know if you've watched the Spirit much, Dave. Obviously, when we, when they play the Pride, it's a pretty right. solid player, and it just has kind of been buried behind the likes of Andy Sullivan. So uh, this is a fresh start for for uh, Maggie Doherty Howard, and also this is a player coming home She's from Largo, yep. Florida. So this is you know I don't want to see Sonnet traded, but if you're going to trade a player, you need to get something for. Her. And um, it looks like that if, if this thing goes through as it's uh, been discussed in the, the, you know, the story that we quoted in our, our post today, um, not bad. No, it's not. The, the saga of Sonnet in regards to Orlando City is, is years and years old at this point. She was going to be uh, the, you know, uh, she was taken by Thorns as the first pick. Um, that was Orlando's pick that they gave up to get uh, Morgan and Kaylin uh, Kyle. And then, um, you know, they worked to get her back. Like you said, they finally do. Um, and now that's looks to be like, that's not going to happen. And it makes me a little sad. I'm not going to lie. I, I would have liked to have seen Sonnet play, but uh, you know, it's, this is one of those things where, if we can get enough uh, for that player, and if, if you go do a breakdown, and I, I did earlier, I don't have my notes with me because I left them at work, but if you go do a breakdown of what we're, what we gave up over that time period and what we're getting, if it's all true what we're seeing, it looks like the Pride are going to come out ahead with, um, you know, several players, um, you know, uh, Peterson and McLaren that we got in, in the last draft uh, with the 7th and 14th picks. Um and then all the things that you you just mentioned earlier. So, uh, I, I if it comes to pass, I'll be a little bit sad, but I'll like the I'll like the return on it. Yeah, we'll have, we have yet to see what Courtney Peterson's going to look like. Um, Phoebe McLaren is not signed, so we don't even know if that's going to be a, a player for the Pride or not. We hope so, yeah. um, but you know, until until that player is signed and, and on the team and playing games, you know, we won't know what that looks like. But this is all kind of a it goes back to how the Pride acquired Sonnet. Of course, it gave up the, the number one pick in the last you know, last January's draft. And, um, you know, that was so Portland could sign Sophia Smith, who just got her first U.S. women's national team caps. Uh, and, you know, it's it's a case where we're here in the, you know, or it's been widely discussed that Sophia Smith wanted to go to Portland, wasn't going to come to Orlando. 
So school, yeah, yeah. So you 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 make that decision and you say, well, this is obviously the player we want. But if they don't want to come here, then we got to get something for that player and then get another player we want. And then you know, good for the pride doing that. Went out and got Caitlin Ford's uh, rights, but those were taken away in the expansion draft mm-hmm. uh, by Rossing Louisville. But Ford may never play in NWSL again. We just that remains to be seen. It seems like the Australians all like Europe right now, so they're all heading that direction. And um, you know, we we don't know if that asset would really have made any difference at all for the Pride. So it's it's interesting. I mean, you look at Sonnet. The thing is, is this is a a player that's been successful everywhere. Uh, she can play outside or inside on the back line, which is good for you know Mark Skinner what he likes to do because there's it's almost like positionless soccer at times. Players move around quite a bit. And uh, that that would suit her style. Also, you know, there's not a proven right back on the team, other than well, I guess unless you put Allie Krieger back out there, but she's been moved inside most of the time for Orlando. And oh, by the way, uh, Kriegs will be 37 this summer during the soccer season, um, <laughs> and and Zadorsky's uh, 28, 28, 29. And so, you know, looking to maybe need to get a little younger at that position. And uh, Sonnet's, yeah, Sonnet's 27 and, and Zadorsky's 28. So Sonnet's a, a year younger than Zadorsky. Um, you know, and again, could slot in there when necessary. And I, and I don't think that the team has had great success with center backs when Zadorsky has been unavailable and, and Krieger has been unavailable. It's behind them. It's been a little bit iffy. Yeah, not great, Bob. So we'll see if this happens. Uh, if it does happen, it's not the end of the world. I know the, the, the stands out there are, are up in arms. Um, you know, we're hearing uh, really, you know, Twitter is not a place I enjoy being when people are discussing U.S. players. Um, we're hearing, uh, oh, she never wanted to be here. She demanded this trade. And I'm telling you, you don't get this kind of return on a trade that has been demanded by the player. Because when the player is not going to play for you, that word gets out, you have no leverage, and you don't get very good return for the player. So that right. doesn't that tells me that it wasn't Sonnet requesting this trade. It's probably the spirit. This if you've meant if you if you've been paying attention, to what the Washington Spirit have been doing this off season, uh, go out and get Kelly O'Hara. I mean, this is a team that's been aggressive this offseason. And this is another aggressive move. Look at what they're reportedly giving up to get Sonnet. That's that's an aggressive move to go after Sonnet. This looks like Washington coming to Orlando with a deal and Orlando going, mm, well, we didn't really want to get rid of Sonnet, but that's a pretty good return. So let's go ahead and do it. And again, that's what it looks like. When this happens, we can go ask Mark Skinner about it. But they're not going to comment about it as long as it's unofficial. Correct. And it's, um, you know, uh, it's a business. And we've we've said this before, but, you know, this is a business. Um, and I, I even just mentioned I'm going to be a little sad. I would have liked to have seen Sonnet play for the Pride. But um, ultimately, it's a business. And the Pride need a lot of pieces. A lot. And while Senate, Sonnet would have been a good one. They need a lot of pieces, and if they can get more money and picks 
and everything else that they need to plug in for those pieces, then that's a positive. The key to the deal for me is what they do with the allocation money, how much allocation money is and what they do yeah. with it. Because if they can go out and get a good European player, uh, that's not bad, <laughs> you know, or, or mm-hmm. you can augment somebody's salary so you can, you can sign somebody. There, there's, there's a lot. The allocation money being introduced to NWSL is one of the more interesting changes for the league, in my opinion, in the last couple of years. So I, I look forward to seeing how that happens. Obviously, the picks, you have to make the most of those. Uh, to make the best of this deal, and um, you know, we'll see how that goes. We really don't even know how this last class will be because we haven't played any games except for a couple fall series games, and and some of the players haven't been around for that. Ta- Taylor Corniak, obviously, Phoebe McLernan, I mentioned not signed. She's been over overseas, so we'll see how it goes. But there's a couple things that people need to calm down about, and one is is this throwing out there that she never wanted to be here. I mean, I. I watched the video. She seemed like she was pretty excited about, you know, what this team could do next season. Um, and again, the return that Washington is giving, if this report is correct, indicates not a forced trade. This indicates this is Washington wanting a player badly because they gave up a lot. So, right. Uh, the other part of that that I'm hearing is. Uh, Oh, the player! Somebody, somebody got in my mentions today about the players hate Skinner and they want out. What? I don't know if anybody has talked to a player about Mark Skinner, but it is almost like they're talking about a cult leader. It's like they have completely bought into Mark Skinner. They believe in Mark Skinner. They talk glowingly about Mark Skinner, and it is absolutely one hundred and ten percent authentic. And yeah, that's. It's it's That's the insane. exact opposite of they hate Mark Skinner. <laughs> yeah, no, and, the, the 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 buy-in from the players regarding Mark Skinner has been complete and total, and there has not been one instance at all since he's gotten there that we've heard anything but glowing reviews, despite the results on the field. You know, because obviously we cover this and we're like, you know, you, you think, OK, maybe, you know, when when you're losing, sometimes things get said. No, not once. Every single player to the player has said uh, Skinner's great. I believe in what we're doing here. We're building something in all of that. And they've and they've said it. And, you know, we talked about how um, Orlando City players, you know, walked in differently, how they've bought into Oscar Pereja's system. The same thing is going on with Skinner. We just haven't had an opportunity to see the results on the field yet. Exactly. And not, and it's it's not just that they buy in. I, multiple players on this team have said Mark Skinner is the best coach they've ever had. These these players have had a lot of coaches. They've played in international yeah. tournaments. They've they've played for the national team. They've played for they've other teams. World Cups. Yeah, it's... It, it, it's something to for them to, uh, and a lot of these have been unsolicited, uh, you know, statements. Best coach I ever had. It really, he's really got great ideas. You know, love talking to him about soccer, love learning the game from him. It's it's not a matter of hating Mark Skinner. It is that's not the problem. The results on the field in 2019 were awful. Nobody's going to dispute that. The fall series was played largely with a makeshift roster and this is and you still saw i think in the fall series this year dave glimpses of what this team could do when they mm-hmm. are properly applying mark skinner's tactics 
especially as that series went, you know, the, the, the last match in that series, they actually looked really good. Yeah, I mean, I would go back to the, I mean, obviously Houston was playing, had lost the fewest players of anybody in Orlando's pot. So North Carolina had lost several players to overseas, and Orlando had lost several veteran players to overseas, and Houston didn't lose too many players, and, you know, that was a team with a ton of confidence, had just won the Challenge Cup, and so those games didn't look great. But no. the two games against North Carolina looked pretty darn good. Uh, the first game was a nil-nil draw on the road, and the second one, they, I mean, they were in that game in the first half, but then they, you know, just two bad goals in stoppage time of the first half gave North Carolina three nothing lead, but they didn't stop playing. They came back and tied that game three three, and mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that in a bit, but. Um, that shows you, you know, you could see the way that they played. You could see glimpses of what he wants them to do. And these weren't even, like, some of these players, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean, they were not NWSL-level players. No, I mean, there was a lot of uh, um, uh, players on there that were, um, and the name is escaping me of what they call them, but um, uh, basically they're not permanent players and they aren't expected to necessarily be on the team. They're, they're trialists. Thank you. Um, I was thinking my brain, um, they're trialists. So they're in there to have a shot to show what they can do, maybe try and, you know, earn their way, even if not onto the pride into the NWSL or someplace else as a professional player. And they, you know, a lot of them, like you said, not NWSL, but as a whole, the team played well. Yeah. There were some short-term contract players. Now some of them may get a look. I thought Kerry Lawrence was a player that played well enough to maybe get a look, um, mm-hmm. you know, at right back. And, you know, maybe that was the thought. Maybe they liked what they saw from Kerry Lawrence enough to think that maybe they could get away with, with making this deal for Emily Sonnet. But uh, what I liked about it was, you know, you could see the, the germ of what what Mark Skinner wanted to do. In 2019, you couldn't see that. He would talk about it, and you could get the idea in your head of what he wanted, but the way the team was was executing on the field, you couldn't even see what he was talking about. You you could see no evidence of that happening on the field. This fall series, you could at least see some evidence of what they were trying to accomplish and how they were trying to accomplish it. And when it was working, it really looked good. When it wasn't working, obviously, it didn't look as good. Like against Houston, there were it resulted in a lot of a lot of uh, turnovers. But what what Mark Skinner will consistently say is he wants his team to be brave and to be confident in what they're doing. And I think when things start to go bad, for young players especially, you don't have that confidence, and you don't have that bravery, and you start making bad bad choices and bad decisions. Like, uh, you know, Mark's, Mark wants his players to play the ball, but there are times when the pressure says you can't play the ball, and you have to be able to, number one, recognize when you can't play it and, and, and you know, play more directly, and you have to execute that as well. You have to say, okay, well... We're going to be more direct. I actually now have to know where's my forward going to be, and how do I get this thing over the midfield without turning it over? And that those are the right. kinds of decisions and things that have to take place. And I really, I I didn't know at the end of 2019 if Mark Skinner had a, a potential future here, and now I can kind of see it. So until we see, you know, regular season results that are better, you know, we won't really won't really have a sense that that's the case 
but it, I didn't see what was going on at the end of 2019. I still, I was still very skeptical, and I'm a lot less skeptical now, even though it was an 0-2 and two season. That's it's four games, but again, a lot of young players, players that weren't even necessarily at NWSL quality level. Um, not everybody, just you know, some key positions. And, you know, well, I think this team will get better this year and we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, I think people need to just relax a little bit and, and, and don't make it bigger than it is a bigger thing than it is. I mean, it's not about hating Mark Skinner. It's not about, you know, the player demanding to be out of here. It, it, there's, it's really just soccer business. Yeah. It was just a, it was a. Um, it, it's somebody walking up to you and, you know, you've got a, uh, Honda civic, you know, a 10 year old Honda civic. And they're like, Hey, I'll give you 10 grand for that. And you're like, it's only worth four, but okay, sure. I'll take it. It's that. <laughs> There's Dave. You got to talk about what you know. And Dave just did that. Let's stay with the pride, Dave. Um, one of the things I think a lot of fans were concerned about when they saw a lot of players from the NWSL going to Europe in this uh, pandemic year was, oh my God, everyone's leaving the NWSL. It sucks. Everything is bad. Uh, cue the this is fine uh, meme with the dog in the burning room. Um, no one's ever coming back. So when Alex Morgan went to Tottenham, many people thought she would never be in a pride uniform again. And maybe that's the case. Maybe we will never see uh, Alex Morgan in a pride uniform again. But if that happens, some kind of trade is going to need to happen because Alex Morgan has left Tottenham, coming back to the States. Uh, We got the word on that this, um, you know, just this week. And, uh, you know, she only played, I think, in four games, scored two goals. Both of them were penalties. Um... But the the important thing is she got back on the field and started putting the ball in the net again for the first time since uh, giving birth and, you know, got to see a new uh, system, got to, to play with new players, and all of that expands your game somewhat. And so that's all positive. If she comes back as good a player or better, then awesome. Everything's good. Everything's groovy. And... Uh, oh, by the way, she left Tottenham a better place than she found it because while she was there, she fought for the right to play on better fields. The same pitch that the men trained on, uh, they were they were in some substandard pitch. She couldn't believe, you know, I, she came there and they were they were playing on this type of pitch, and and she said, you know, she fought. She she went to their management and said, we should be playing on a qu- same quality pitch that the men are playing on, and she made that happen. And she's been called out um, by other players at Tottenham, and and you know applauded for her efforts there. And they are still playing, you know, still still training on the men's pitch now. And so, if nothing else, her going to Tottenham improved, um, you know, improved conditions for the women that play for for Spurs. Well, you know, when you're Alex Morgan, those are the types of things that you can do. Um, not everybody obviously has the ability to do that. Um, but Alex Morgan is one of the absolute top level, well, most well-known, most popular, um, premium premier, whatever accolade you want to put on it players in the world. And when you are that, and you have that, you, you have the ability to bring in the money 
and the fans and the sponsors and everything else, you then get to go to people and go, yeah, we're going to need to do a little bit better here, aren't we? And they go, yeah, you're right, Alex. Sorry about that. The only sad thing is, Dave, is that it, it takes somebody with Alex Morgan's clout to make something happen that should have already been the case. I mean, if True. you have a men's and women's team, they should have the same quality uh, place to, to train. Now, the Pride have a, a really nice training facility or had a, a really nice training facility before they took over where Orlando City was training. It was it was one of the better ones in NWSL. But it wasn't it wasn't quite up to what Orlando City was training on. But then Orlando City built a new training facility, and then they got to upgrade as well. And it, you know, I, I've been there. It's it's an excellent training facility. They have they have good facilities here, and that's one of the draws that that Orlando has of, in the NWSL side is that and the stadium. Those are two mm-hmm. big big pluses in the in the win column for them when they're trying to you know, compete for, for, you know, players wanting to come here. So, uh, you know, good for Alex Morgan doing what she did, but it's just kind of sad that she had to. And we really have to do better as a society in, in terms of making sure that, you know, if people are doing the same thing, they need to have access to the same tools to do them. It's almost 2021. It's, it's disappointing that we're still having to even discuss this. Um, and we won't necessarily need to get into a bigger philosophical or, uh, you know, question regarding um, the equality of access for, you know, um, any gender uh, that should go without saying. Um, but good on Alex for doing it. And, you know, good on the Orlando City front office for um, making that happen for the pride. Um and it, it is a, like you say, it is a big draw for players, um, evidently just not for Sophia Smith. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, just like anybody, if you have, if you have the power to make something happen and to choose your own adventure, you're going to choose your own adventure. And, and yeah. not everybody, like you said, not everybody has that, that uh, ability. I mean, somebody that gets drafted in the fourth round isn't going to say, hey, don't draft me because I really want to play for North Carolina courage and you know, like you're a fourth rounder. I don't care. You know, but if right. you're like, if you're like the clearly the top player or one of the top two players coming out of the draft, then you have a little bit of say, especially in the NWSL is, is, is it's been around a while now, but it's still, when you think of it as a, as a professional league, it's still in its infancy. And right. sometimes, you know, you have to, you have to make some accommodations because you're trying to get to point B and you're not, you're not where you need to be yet. You're not there. I mean, case in point, there are only nine teams coming into this season. So, you know, there's, there's a, if there's a player who says, you know, I can come out and go where I want, or I could just hang here and go take another, take another year here in college. You're going to do what you can to, to make them come out and to join your league because again, fledgling league, um, there's nothing – I'm not saying this is not a stable league, but, I mean, when you're talking about women's soccer in this country, the history isn't great. Um, the fact the NWSL has surpassed uh, the leagues that came before it is a, is a good sign. It's a, it's a feather in their cap. But, I mean, we just, we're just coming off a pandemic. Things are not great for anybody. 
this is a league that needs all the help it can get, and uh, they're, they're going to have to make some decisions like that where they're like, okay, let's see if we can make this happen. Orlando, you have the top pick. We have a player who we really like to come out and have people come and watch and have her in our league, but uh, she wants to go there, so is there any way we can make that happen? And yeah, they, they made it happen, and, and again, Orlando got a pretty good return for that pick, but um, now it looks a little wonky now because there's so much uncertainty about the assets coming back for Sonnet that, you know, what did they actually get in that in that pick? You know, well, they got Taylor Korniak, or uh, I'm sorry, they got Courtney Peterson. We don't know how that's going to work out. They got Phoebe McLernan. We don't know how that's going to work out. And now there's all these other picks that haven't even been made yet. So the allocation money that hasn't been allocated yet, <sighs> it's... It's part of the fun side of sports, Dave. All of <laughs> all of this uh, speculation and and wondering, and you know, it's ten years from now we can look back at this trade. In fact, why don't we put a pin in this podcast? Okay. We'll come, you and I will come back in ten years and we'll go. Emily Sonnet trade. Uh, what do you think? Who won that trade? And uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. And of course, all of that is dependent on this actually happening because it's not official. That's right. All right, anything else uh, Pride-related you want to get to this week, Dave? I don't think so. I think we I think we touched on it all. Um, let's see. What are, have we got anything else? Yeah. Um, a little Champions League. We can talk about that. That's right. You got to uh, you got to go sit in the booth and watch that stuff. Yeah, it was uh, it was good to be at Exploria the last week. Uh, two nights of quarterfinals, a night of semifinals, and of course the final on Tuesday night between LAFC and Tigres and um, it was it was it it was pretty exciting as a tournament to be there um it was of course not as good without the fans um the atmosphere is always better with the fans obviously uh you know you got to see CONCACAF in all of its glory in the semifinals with the craziness that happened at halftime um you know just before the half you get uh you know, a bump in the box that could have been could have been a penalty. I, you know, it's one of those cases where if you're rooting for LAFC or you're rooting for the MLS team, you're going that's that's a stone cold penalty. Um, I'm a neutral observer, and I'm like I've seen those given, I've seen those not given, kind of thing. When Atuesta got bumped, uh, mm-hmm. but he went down and he stayed down. And uh, Mimo Ochoa, the goalkeeper for America, said, you know, he's like, oh, I've had enough of this guy being down. This is ridiculous. They didn't call the foul. Get up. He goes and gets in his face. Atuesta kind of lunges at him. Mimo Ochoa goes down like he's been shot in the face, writhing around on the ground. I don't even think there was contact. No, and, so. and Ochoa draws the straight red card on Atuesta because all the ref sees where he's from is Atuesta lunge and Ochoa snapping his head back and then rolling around on the ground screaming. So from his vantage point, he sees a red card, gives the red card. Everybody tempers flare. Uh, it's right at the end of the half. So, you know, L.A. feels badly done because they feel like, hey, we should have got a penalty. And instead we got our midfielder sent off. And that's that's not a fair trade. <laughs> you know, penalty. Right. It's like it gone from, yes, we're going to score to uh, now we don't even have 11 guys. And so they're walking off the field and tempers and flaring and all, all kinds of stuff's going on. And anti-Razov, anti uh, assistant coach for LAFC, takes a poke at Miguel Herrera, the head coach for America, uh, now the former head coach for America. And um, he pushes him back in the face. And, um, you know, now you've got 
Herrera kicked out of the game. Herrera decides he doesn't want to leave the game. Goes up in the stands with a walkie-talkie and is uh, coaching his game via walkie, or team via walkie-talkie. Uh, still communicating with his team. He's asked to leave several times and apparently told security, hey, you, you need to show me you know, in the rules where I need to leave. Show me the specific rule that says I need to leave the stadium <laughs> before I leave. It, it was just... It was so cockacaffy. It was the most cockacaff thing ever, yeah. Uh, so, meanwhile, his team has a one nothing lead going into the second half, and just absolute brain cramps coming out of the the half. And LAFC took advantage. Carlos Vela was was he was playing like his life depended on this game, and scored two goals in the first two minutes of the second half and put LAFC up, and then they added one uh, deep in stoppage time to put it away. But uh, uh, then, um, you know, this loss for Club America to LAFC, combined with a a loss to, I think, Tijuana um, in league play, uh, got Miguel Herrera fired the next day. Plus, the antics didn't help, I'm sure, the optics of that. Uh, But it was all very, very interesting. The, The Mexican teams play... Uh, you get a real sense when you see several several Mexican teams play several MLS teams over just the course of a couple of days, sometimes back-to-back, of how different the styles are and how um, you know different leagues have different standards of acceptability, you know, acceptable behavior and, and things that they're willing to put up with. Because the the Mexican teams, when they got leads, there was a lot of, you know, laying around on the ground because you're suddenly hurt or cramping there was and it's not that that doesn't happen in MLS but it seemed like it was worse and uh, a lot more fouls committed to to make the game choppier Um, which was kind of one of the tactics that some teams used against Orlando City this year Um, but LAFC acquitted itself very well in this tournament Tigres was probably the better team on the on the balance over the course of the evening. But LAFC had a chance to put that game away. Vela had a, a shot that he took too long from about the penalty spot that uh, he, he just waited a beat too long, got the shot blocked. Um, but on the other end, uh, you could say that, you know, he could have made it 2 nothing, but uh, just a little bit before that, uh, Gignac could have made it uh, 1-1. And he had a similar situation where Vermeer was out of the goal. He had the ball pass to him and he had a shot with an empty net blocked um from about the penalty spot so it was it was a pretty evenly played game and in the end uh maybe Atuesta makes a difference in this game if he plays uh because mm-hmm. that's how even even it was but the Tigres you know even if you're not a fan of them or if you you know you don't want the the Liga MX team to win you know what happens is you you've got a situation where this is a team, Dave, that's been in the final four times in the last five years, and they finally won it. They've they've lost the other three finals, so you have to feel good for Tigres to finally break through and get that win. Even if you're not a the, fan of them, and even even if you don't like maybe a player or two on their team or whatever, they have been one of the best teams in Concacaf for half a decade, and they finally had something to show for it. Yeah, I imagine that they are feeling mucho, mucho joy, um, as uh, one Danny Rojas would would say it. Um, yeah, look, this whole, um, you know, MLS, Liga MX, you know, MLS hasn't won it. Um, 
yeah, that's all true. It's, I, you know, I had, I didn't care enough uh, because it wasn't Orlando City. Uh, you know, if LAFC had, had won that, I would have been like, okay, cool, good for MLS. They didn't, and I'm like, okay, cool, maybe Orlando City gets to be the first. You know, it, it, I, it's not a big enough impact on my life at this moment to have it, uh, you know, to worry about it one way or the other too much. Um, other than, hey, if <sighs> – if it wasn't so concacafy and we could see a little bit cleaner soccer, that would be nice. But you, everybody who watches, should know going in when we're talking about concacaf what you're going to get on the, the pitch because that's what that looks like. And I would say that from my money, I thought Quinones of, of Tigres had uh, an outstanding tournament. I thought he was really great. Uh, he had three assists in a in a quarterfinal game against New York City FC. Uh, he played really well last night in the final. And, uh, you know, the funny thing was, I was talking to Austin David before the game. I was like, we were talking about how the fact that LAFC had come back uh, in the last couple of games, they'd come from behind to win. And then when they scored first in this game, I was like, uh-oh, what are they doing? They didn't come from, <laughs> they're not coming from behind. They got the first get, first goal. And so they, they like I wrote in the, the Gamer, they lived by the comeback and they died by the comeback. Yep. Um, I You know, I, I'm not... I'm not one of those, you know, um, sports communists, um, and you're not either. You're, you're a Florida State fan, so you're an ACC guy. You're from Maryland, so you grew up on ACC, and now Maryland's Big Ten. Yeah. You know, we don't. If, if our team's not doing it, we don't care about the other teams in our league. Yeah. No, not really. It's like the Florida Gators and the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, it's the SEC thing where it's like SEC. You know, if, if your team can't do it, you want your league to do it. I don't. Yeah, you know, I'm a Big Ten no. fan. I don't care if if any Big Ten teams win. If if my team doesn't win, I don't care. What do I care? They're not my team. I mean, unless the the only reason I even and it, it's not even a rooting thing is if that other team that's in my conference or my my league gets my team more money because of it. Okay, sure. Then I'll I'd I'd like them to win. Maybe just not really like really big. But yeah, give give my team the more money. If there's no money involved for my team or for me personally, then yeah, no, I don't care. Yeah, I mean I, I, that's that's a good way to look at it. It's uh, it's it's, it's just sports communism. <laughs> like well, we didn't win, but we we like it's like it's like with Kentucky football fans are cheering yeah, SEC, yeah. and it's like yeah, but you're Kentucky football. You really did not contribute to Alabama winning the national title. Right. Like you're <laughs> Vanderbilt, I'm yeah. not so sure that you get to do that. What did you exactly contribute to this party? Other you know, than losing to Alabama, what did you do? I bought the sty- I brought the styrofoam cups. I had a very important role at this party. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, we would have drank out of the bottle, dude. It's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's it's funny. It's it's just funny how different different fans of different areas have different views on stuff. But yeah, I, I don't know. I never bought into that, and so I never was a big, you know, I wasn't on the LAFC train. I I did think LAFC would win going into last night. I we discussed that before the game, and I said I think LAFC is gonna gonna take it. They they've been really playing well, and even last night they played very very good defense in the first half. It seemed like they ran out of gas in the last 20 minutes. They pressed very hard throughout the game. So they may have run themselves out of the game a little bit. 
uh, once they got, you know, they got the lead and, and they continued to press and continued to, to do the things they were doing before to try to get that second goal and didn't get it. And when they didn't get it, you know, like I said, I think of the last 20 minutes, they just didn't have as much left in the tank as, as Tigres had. And, and Tigres was deserving winner, but I, I wasn't like, Ooh, MLS, I want MLS team to win. Yay. And I saw everybody on Twitter like, Oh, come on LAFC. And I'm like, none of you are LAFC fans. What are you even talking about? And yeah, I get the fact that you want to see MLS finally win it, but it's going to be just so much better when it's Orlando city. Exactly. And you know, <laughs> what's funny is, uh, the guy that everybody on Twitter loves to hate Alexi Lawless actually made that very point. He said, okay, but now your MLS team has a chance to be the first one to do it. And isn't that better? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people give, give Alexi grief and, you know, I get it. He's he's very direct. He sometimes I think he says things to to stir up some controversy. Maybe he actually believes some of the stuff that he says that that are, that is controversial. But I had you know before the All Star game, there was a uh, there was a media uh, mixer downtown, and I I got to talk to him, you know one on one for a bit. And I I mean he's a good guy. He's Face to face, he's a good person, and you know, tre- if, treated if, me with respect. He treated me well. He was he was very down to earth. Hell, we didn't even talk that much about soccer. We talked more about music. You know, if uh, yeah, well, he's a huge music fan, so that doesn't surprise me at all. But if if you don't know who Alexi Lalas is, uh, you know, during commenting and or online at this point, and you're surprised by his takes, where have you been? What have you been doing? <laughs> I mean, it's. It's Alexi Lalas. He's very obvious about all of it that he does. And I, I like, I'm not saying that he doesn't tick me off every once in a while because, you know, uh, like the whole Chris Mueller thing that he, you know, refused to, you know, give Chris any props or, or any current props. Oh, I'll wait and see, wait and see. Okay, fine. All right. That takes me off a little bit because I'm an Orlando City fan and I'm a Chris Mueller fan. But I didn't do it to the point where I'm like, oh, screw Alexi Lalas. You know, no. I mean, it's just, that's his take. He gets paid to put his opinion out there. Just like, you know, uh, we don't get paid a lot of money to put our opinion out there and that's fine. Yeah. And a lot of people thought, you know, gave him grief too, when he said he didn't think that Orlando city was a contender. And I thought, I mean, my own take, if you'd ask me where they contender would be like, well, I think they could be one, but do I expect them before the playoffs start to go and win the MLS cup? No, I expected Seattle to do that. Right. And and I expected that in the East, probably Toronto or, you know, maybe Philly or Columbus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, as it turned out, it was Columbus. So, you know, it, and, and as it turned out, Orlando City didn't make the didn't make the Eastern Conference final. So, you know, I think it was fair to say that. I mean, show me you can you and me have been very big on this. Show me you can do a thing and I will believe you can do that thing. Right. Right. And so I I mean, Alexi is very much like that. He really is. Yeah. So to get to get on him. Yeah, he does say some things to get to get people riled up. And that's and I think he denies doing that. But I think he he secretly enjoys it. And it's it's fine. Um, It's I I like the way he deals with his haters. He just goes ahead and, uh, you know, somebody told him to F off the last night. He went, went, here we go. (laughs) He just quote tweeted, here we go. And it's. It's you have to be that way because 
you know, the internet is a, a terrible, terrible, awful place where people do and say terrible, terrible, awful things. And, and so I get a kick out of that. And again, I'm not, I'm not here to defend him. I just say that I've met him in person. And per, to me personally, he was a very nice dude and very laid back and very down to earth. And I don't have an issue with the stuff he says because I know why he's doing it. And yeah, I, you know, I see through it and it's, it's not a big deal. And, and also, even if he believes that for real, who am I to say he's not entitled to that opinion? Right. And almost as importantly, um, well, one, he is entitled to that opinion because unfortunately this is America and everybody is entitled to their opinion. He just happens to have a bigger platform than some. And guess what? If you would have liked to have uh, go out and, you know, become a, a uh, professional soccer player, play for the U.S. men's national team, uh, turn that into a, a job in, in the media and, and be a, a, a soccer pundit on TV, then you get to do that, too. If you didn't do that, then all you can do is yell at Alexi on Twitter <laughs> and he can go, here we go. But he's a good follow. Yeah, he is. And and furthermore, too, you you, you accomplish nothing by attacking someone like that. You, yeah. If you don't like what somebody says, just ignore them. <laughs> Indeed. It, all right. Uh, is there anything else that we need to cover this week, Dave? Um, I don't think there's anything we need to cover. We've actually talked a whole lot about not too much. <laughs> Congrats to uh, T. Grace, by the way, for uh, yeah. for winning finally and breaking through. That was uh, they were a fun team to watch in this. Uh, you know, the last bit of this tournament. I can't say much about the the earlier matches that took place before the pandemic break, but I I enjoyed watching them play. Um, it was unfortunate for Montreal. Montreal had a chance to advance past the quarterfinals. They actually won their second leg, uh, but they lost on the away goal tiebreaker because it ended 2-2 on aggregate, and they actually had chances to score in that game, and it was just a tough night for Romel Kyoto. Uh, New York City did not look good in their game. Uh, LAFC looked really good in their game, so yeah. you know it was a little bit of a mixed bag for MLS, and, and I think LAFC certainly could have won this and you know they say you have to lose a championship before you can win it so this was a an opportunity uh for them to to learn from and grow from and maybe the next time they get to the final maybe they win it and we'll see but uh it was fun to cover it just um it was a lot of late nights because of the uh the you know fox had the the tv rights and there was a lot of there's uh, first of all there's a lot of mexican teams and lafc was very prominent and so uh, you know fs1 fs2 uh between college football college basketball they had to show the games later at night so we had eight o'clock and and 10:30 starts for the double headers and then a 10 o'clock start for the final so um Good for California fans uh, out in L.A. that can watch their team at a normal, you know, 7 o'clock for them. But for me, it was a lot of late nights. And, and honestly, I'd rather cover Orlando City when I'm at Exploria anyway. Or or the U- U.S. men's national team or a women's national team. Absolutely. But it was it was a cool uh, event to cover. And I'm, I'm uh, very grateful to be credentialed for it. And uh, it was great to, to see our good friend Lenny Santiago, who was doing PR work for CONCACAF. Uh, the former Orlando City uh, Communications uh, Director. So all that oh, was nice. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Uh, and it was actually the first time we saw Jackie Maynard from Orlando City for a while because uh, they all stayed separated from us during the Orlando City games, but she was uh, working the credential table 
at the uh, CONCACAF Champions League game. So it's good to see Jackie Maynard. Uh, it's been, it had been, I think, since March since I'd seen her. Uh, so, uh, actually, no, I think I saw her in Sanford one day when I was getting a growler fill. Really? Yeah. She was crossing the street. I had just gotten my growler filled at uh, Wops Hops. And uh, I think she was crossing the street from that. I was like, hey, what are you doing here? So, nice. Good to see her. All right, Dave. Um, do we have anything in the mailbag? I know we, it, it, everybody's thinking about the holidays. Uh, they're not thinking about the uh, the, the lions anymore, uh, or, or at least they're you know it's kind of moved to the back of their mind from the front of their mind. Uh, do we have anything on the twitters? We don't have anything in the email box. Well, despite me giving them an entire hour to do something, no, they haven't. Okay. Well, if for some reason you would like to get our opinion on anything and i mean anything doesn't have to be soccer related there's two ways you can hit us up find us on twitter we are at the mainland and you can uh, ask us a question using the hashtag ask tmlpc and the other thing you can do is you can email us at the mainland at gmail.com those are the two ways and we will answer your questions on our next show and uh, you got an extra at least one extra week to get your questions in this time out because we're not going to have a show between christmas and New Year's, and with the caveat that if something big happens, we probably will have a show to talk about it. Exactly. All right, so the other thing we would ask you to do, if you, you know, this is the season of giving, right? That's what they say? It is. So if this is the season for giving, one thing that you could give us, this would be the best present you could give us, is to go to iTunes and leave us a review, a star review. If it's a five-star review, and uh, you write that review, we'll read it on the air. Uh, but leave us a star rating, even if you don't want to write a review. Uh, go there, pick how many stars you think we deserve. If it's five and you write a review, we read it on the air. That's that's really what I'm driving at. Yeah, and we like doing that. <laughs> All right, Dave, that will do it for episode 228 of the Mainland Podcast. Um, I want to wish all of our listeners uh, you know, great holiday season. Happy New Year. Be safe. Be smart. There's still a virus. Yes, there's a vaccine, uh, but it's not uh, widely available yet. So just you'd hate to get it now, right? You'd hate for this to be the time when, when, when vaccine is coming for you to get sick and spread it to your relatives and, and have a, a really horrible, horrible uh, thing happen. So everybody be safe. And um, you have anything to add to that? Uh, just uh, I'll add, you know, the same sentiments for everybody. Um, you know, we'll like say we'll see you after the new year. And uh, like Michael said, be safe. You know, grandma doesn't need to get the covid. So, um, you know, just uh, take care of yourselves, take care of your family. And, and I hope everybody enjoys the holidays. All right. Read our stuff at the mainland dot com. Uh, you can follow Dave at mainland dave follow me at mainland michael and of course follow the mainland at the mainland uh you can also like us on facebook lots of stuff you can do it costs you nothing and uh hopefully you're enjoying what you're seeing we uh we didn't mention it but we are counting down our top 10 moments of 2020 i mean it's been a terrible year but for the soccer team at least it's been pretty good and so this year's top 10 moments are going to be better than most years top 10 moments and we're uh, as we record this we've uh, already revealed numbers uh, 10 and 9 8 is in the can but we will have one every single day between now and the end of the calendar year so new year's day we'll have uh, number one 
moment of the year. And I think a lot of people will be able to guess what that is, uh, but <laughs> maybe not. We'll see. We'll see if you're surprised. Um, the other thing is uh, we're going to continue our season review pieces, which uh, we're almost done with. We just have a few players left to go. Uh, some of the bigger names still left to go. So, uh, you know, I know you're you're busy with your family, you're shopping, you're wrapping, but, uh, you know, don't skimp on the mainland because uh, we've got some stuff that you're going to want to read. And, uh, you know, just take a couple minutes out of your day and uh, and read it. Maybe before you go to bed, just have a have yourself a good little read. Or when your crazy uncle is going off on something that you completely disagree with, that's a good time to look at your phone and go ahead and digest it that way. <laughs> exactly. All right, that's going to do it uh, for 228. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back sometime in January, maybe next week if there's some big news. Uh, but it, we don't expect big news. But if there is some, we'll be here to talk about it. And if not, we'll see you in 2021. And how good does it feel, Dave, to say... 2020 is almost over oh man longest year ever exactly take care everybody uh we'll sign off the way we always do by saying go city go pride go ocb and go have yourselves a great holiday season